Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Ronis, NHL, NBA, playoffs are coming, are, are bound. The Lightning are done, dude. Could you imagine having such a year like the Lightning only to lose? It's like in football, your team goes 14-2 and two is bounced in the first round. Oh, are you trying to rub salt in the wounds from the Cowboys lost to the Giants several years back? It wasn't the first <laughs> round. It was the second. They had the bye, but I remember that. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I said, how would I feel as a Tampa Bay yeah. Lightning fan today? I mean, for those that are not aware, because I know we don't really talk hockey much, and I don't follow the sport as closely as the others, but the Lightning tied an NHL record with 62 wins. They had 128 points. They dominated. They had 14 losses. And in the first round, and not, and people don't say this enough, they actually led 3 nothing after the first period in Game 1. You're like, oh, wow, look at this. And they allowed four unanswered goals. They lost, and they got swept. I mean, that is just insane. This is a historic, historic upset that probably will not get the due that it does because we know the NHL doesn't get the attention, but it is mind-boggling that they got swept. I don't know what the odds were before the playoffs because, you know, I don't really bet on hockey, although I did have a, a parlay the other night with the Nashville money line, so, <laughs> I, but I don't do it that often. Uh, but, man, it's just crazy. That is like, it's a huge upset. I, I, I don't even know how I would feel. I'd be disgusted. You dominate the whole season, and just like that, it's over. Well, two comments for you. One, I wonder if this was the Rangers or some team with that more high profile, would people say more, right? Be even more papers. Because here, I mean, trust me, it hasn't reached uh, Fort Myers. Secondly, though, the coach was on, John Cooper, and he goes, well, we weren't supposed to make the, the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago, and we did. And now no. we're supposed to – I'm like, you can't say no, that. No, 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 Dude, no. you are the best team with 128 points, which I have never seen in my lifetime, Ronis. You put up 128 points, you're a good hockey team. you got to at least make it to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the I, finals. I kept seeing them winning all the time. Like, geez, like, uh, is this like an all-time great team? Like, what's going on here? And uh, – to not even, not even. You're right. You do you know what their goal? Di- do you know what their goal differential was for the year? Oh, it was insane. It was like plus 103. Yeah, and hockey that <laughs> oh is God. that is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, just most team go- a, go- a good team is like 30 or 40, and they're 103. And and it's over. I man, I would just be so disgusted and so disappointed that you don't even get out of the first round and. It's it's amazing. Uh, it's a huge upset, and it's probably not going to get the coverage that it should. But could you imagine this happening in another sport, man? I mean, you don't well, really no, see yeah. it in the NBA. That's the problem. 
No, but it's like, I, don't, I know you're not a, a soccer guy, but years ago, Leicester, Leicester City won the Premier League. They were like, I don't know, 2,000 to 1 or something ridiculous. They hadn't won in 40 years. I mean, here it just, it just caught everybody by surprise. This was the inverse. I mean, like I said, if, the, if the, your football team was 14 and 2, dominated all year long and was bounced in the first round of the playoffs, you'd be livid. You'd be, every coach would be fired. Everybody would fu- be fired. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, obviously, that talk's going to begin. And the other thing is they lost to Columbus, who no one's going to talk about, although I saw they're, they're tied with the Islanders right now as the best odds to win the Stanley Cup. I was like, what? How does, so, yeah, hockey, that's weird. You know what? Because it's momentum. Right. Hockey's all about momentum, right? They, they don't, don't shave and they get momentum. Right, and I think also because people see that, that they're going to flock to bet to them, so they want to maybe lower the odds. That could be it, too. Um, but, again, again, I'm not a hockey guru, so I, I don't know. I mean – are the Islanders one of the better teams now because they beat Pittsburgh? I mean, I know they're much improved, but they're coached. They're coached. Barry well. Trotz, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. clear. You can tell. There's a whole different mentality. They're better defensively. But the other thing is, isn't with Toronto, Col- isn't Toronto a good team or Washington? Both those teams are pretty good. Yeah, but I saw odds just before the show, and it had the Islanders and Columbus at six to one as the co-favorites. So I was like, what already? Yeah. So, That's um, crazy. but but with Columbus. Their coach, John Tortorella, used to coach the Lightning. <laughs> how, do, how great does that feel for him? And obviously, I know him coaching the Rangers. Man. Vindicated. Back, vindicated. Wow. It, it's just stunning that that happened. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I feel bad for Lightning fan. For, you know, uh, I, I love those narrative plays, though. Puig goes back to L.A. You know, I played him the first night. He had a home run. I, I love those plays where coaches go against his old, their, own te- their old teams. They're inspired. I mean, look, I, no... Look, Columbus is a good enough hockey team. I mean, they're not great. They just barely made it in. But there's no way. I just find if your team, no matter what sport win, is the, is the number one seed and you don't show up in the first round, that's a coaching problem. It's like when Orlando beat Toronto. It's, you could do it in one, game one, but you better not do it the rest of the series. Oh, yeah. I took Toronto last night uh, by 10, and I took them in a money line parlay. So... I just expected to come out and obliterate them because a lot of people now are saying, oh, it's Toronto. They do this every year, and they have a poor history in game one. This is a different Toronto team. I know in game one they didn't play well, but Kawhi Leonard. 16-2 to two in the first quarter, and then, yeah. then it got closer. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is on this team, so he's got a lot of history in the postseason of having success with San Antonio. So I don't think this is the same Toronto team, and obviously he showed it last night with a big performance. So... I think Toronto will be fine. Uh, Denver, oh my goodness, did they wake up. I don't know if you watched the game. It was good. It was a really good game, and I had Denver on the money line, and I thought I was in trouble for a while. But Jamal Murray, man, in the fourth quarter, 8 for 8, 21 points. Like He just got hot. He couldn't miss, and that's what you need. You need that player to step up, and I thought it might be Jokic, but it was Murray who – won a big game because they needed that. You couldn't go down to down to San Antonio down 2-0. So it was a big win for Denver last night. If I had to think of an NBA team that reminds me of the Lightning, it may be the 76ers. I mean, when you're, when you're on your cell phone on the bench, are you kidding me? Seriously, i take that phone and I would chuck it so far. You have no idea. Yeah, it was definitely uh, – and I haven't heard anything after that if they've done anything. I know uh, they were saying Amir Johnson's kid was sick, and that's what he was checking up on, but shouldn't have had a, a cell phone on the bench. And, you know, that is a reflection of that team. And I think there's definitely some questions with the maturity there. I mean, this is a team that has a lot of talent, 
and obviously they bounced back with a big performance in game two, but I've said it all year. The Nets are a fun team to watch. I love the cohesion and chemistry, the foundation they've built there. They don't have the superstar power that Philly has, but they are a dangerous team. And now they go home for two games. I think the Sixers ultimately win the series, but I would not be shocked at all if Brooklyn pulls this out. I just think if, I, if I'm the Sixers and I lose this series right here, oh, it's I, terrible. May, I may blow it up. I mean, Simmons can't shoot. Butler's insane. I don't know what I do. I mean, maybe I keep Tobias Harris and, and, and figure it out. I don't know. I think they're in big trouble. Yeah, I definitely think there's some concerns with them for sure. And, you know, the players are going to tell the story of where they go forward. I mean, the biggest problem with Embiid is health. And, you know, I was having this discussion about him for fantasy next season and, you know, whether you could take him in the first round. And I don't think you can't. I mean, he's shown it that. How many games does he play? How many games do you think he plays over a course of a season? 60. 60. 60, So the problem is, you know, if you're in a head to head league, you know, you're just going to miss too many games on a given week. And then you don't know, is he going to be around when you need him come playoff time? So I think there's a history there that shows that you cannot count on this guy for a full season. And I know it happens with a lot of players throughout the league, but it's really tough to rely on that in the first round when you know your first round pick uh, on a per game basis is going to be dominant, but you're not sure how many games he's going to play. And, you know, his knee is already bothering him in the playoffs and they were fortunate. They only had to use him 21 minutes the other night because of the blowout, but it's a concern uh, with him going forward. He's a fun player to watch and he can dominate, but his, his health is going to be an issue. I'll give you two other big concerns for me. Ben Simmons can't shoot the ball. I think that's fact. And I think that now in the NBA, they're going to change the rule that you don't even have to go to college anymore. You know that they're going to change that if they haven't done it already. It's, 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 on, it's on the precipice of happening. But these guys come in and they don't, you're either a good shooter or you're not. And if you're not, these guys don't get the, the proper shooting uh, adjustments. They don't learn. And, and so you can't do it on the fly in the NBA. I think that's a major problem. And I think Jimmy Butler who I respected. I really did. I was a big Jimmy Butler fan at one time, right? They used to call him Jimmy Minutes in DFS because that guy played 48 minutes. But, like, he wrecked the Bulls. He wrecked the T-Wolves. He wrecked the 76ers. At some point, you got to stop being a wrecker of teams. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, he thinks his style is the best way to play, and some of his teammates don't accept it. And, uh, you know, he, he balls out when he's on the court, but... It seems like it's an issue with him wherever he goes as far as chemistry. And, you know, teams that don't get along can win. But at the same time, the better chemistry you have, it can translate on the court. Obviously, Golden State's putting that to the test right now. Well, I know that you like, – I want to get back to the Simmons thing for a second. I, are you a fan of the kids being able to go straight from high school right into the pros? Because I'm not. I, I really want to see these kids go to college for two years, not one, two. I know it's hard. I get it. But, look, I'm going to argue this. I want them to get paid in college. They deserve to get some sort of stipend. These guys come from nothing. It's very hard for them to go to college. I get that. That's why they go to the pros. But maybe if we gave them some sort of stipend, and don't tell me we're paying for their education because they don't really care about it, right? Let's give them some incentive to stay in school as opposed to run out to the pros and ruin their careers. Uh, I I think it should be left up to the individual. I just think once you become 18, you should be allowed to do what you want. Uh, and if they make the mistake, that's on them. And if they feel they're ready for the NBA and they get information that they're going to be drafted, fine, because uh, it's up to them. It's their decision to make. And if they should the NCAA pay pay their athletes a little bit. Yeah, 
something? Don't you I think mean, they the just football generate, players? They are generate so much revenue. Like, right. uh, so I was at a sports bar the other day, and you know, uh, was watching. Uh, I think the Yankees were playing in the Sixers, and there was a scrimmage on TV. I think Mississippi State. So my girlfriend's like, "Oh, what's that?" I'm like, "Oh, it's you know, college football, you know, inner team scrimmage, whatever, spring practice." She's like, oh, do they get paid for that? I'm like, no. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, they don't yeah. get paid for it. So, like, they're on T. Their spring scrimmages and practices yeah. are on TV, and they get nothing for it. So, uh, yeah, they should. They generate too much revenue for the NCAA and their schools, and they don't see any of it. I know people are going to say, oh, well, they get a scholarship, but come on, man. You, you really no, I'll think do, that? I'll do it in a different way, Adam. All right, imagine Johnny Manziel back in Texas A&M winning the Heisman Trophy. I think they probably got maybe 10,000 more applications because of his, his whatever he did, right? So instead of getting 20,000 that year, they got 30. Well, at, I don't know, at $50 an application, they just made $500,000. From his success, that school just made half a million dollars. Why is that money not going to the students and somehow? It doesn't have to go all to Johnny Manziel, but it should go to the program, which pays for these kids, and maybe they stay a little longer. Well, it's everything. I mean, it's that. It's the TV exposure they're getting, the crowds, the it's everything. Yeah, it's it's everything. There's so much money they're generating, and uh, they're not seeing any of it. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think that has to change. I don't know why it hasn't changed. And I know that everybody is like, well, they're getting a scholarship. These guys are not students. Maybe 10 15% are, and I'm not trying to disrespect those who went to college and studied. I, I respect those guys. But a lot of these guys are not there for studying purposes. But maybe if you gave them some money, they'd have more incentive to study, and they would care more. And a lot of them aren't going pro. Right, right. But I, I feel for, the worst guys I feel for are the guys who think they're going pro, whose, whose agents give them bad advice or go, oh, you're definitely going to be drafted. You get drafted in the second round of the NBA, Adam. What's your chance of sticking in the league? Uh, 40% maybe. You sure about that? If we checked all this, if we checked all the teams and we looked and see how many guys were second round picks, you think it's forty percent of the league? Just guessing and without looking. I mean, there are some good second round picks that stick. I think they're not, maybe I would agree with that before we went to Europe and now we're getting guys from France and, and all over and all over the place. The, the NBA has become a worldwide phenomenon. It has, but uh, you know, for the you know, Spurs find a lot of talent in the second round, so there are teams that good teams do, good teams right. do. Right, bad teams don't. I mean, the Knicks have what? Mitchell Robinson. He was really good this year, especially he, towards the end of the season. That guy is going to be really good. No, he was. I mean, look, I, I think you can find the nugget, right? You can find one or two guys on your team who can really stand out. But for the most part, I think those guys end up, you know, playing in Turkey or in Greece or in Belgium. I mean, that's. I don't know. They wouldn't they be better off than staying in college? But maybe college doesn't help them. It's not a guarantee that if they stay that they're going to be better in the NBA. They just might not be a talent that's good enough for the NBA. I guess that's true. All right, what are your thoughts quickly about Kevin Durant? How, how, is he absolutely 100% out of there? I got to think so, man. Uh, he just looks unhappy. Uh, I forgot who it was, but I read a really good column regarding Kevin Durant, and, and the guy was right. He was basically saying, Durant, you've been unhappy like the whole year. All you do is go around and mope. Uh, he, Steve Kerr specifically told him, Patrick Beverly is going to try and get your head. Don't let it happen. He told the entire team. What did Durant do? He let it happen. So basically the comments were all saying you just care about individual accolades because you kept saying repeatedly, I've sacrificed so much to be here. I've sacrificed so much to be here. What did you sacrifice? You won a championship. So is it the MVP, the scoring title? So 
you could just tell he just doesn't seem this whole year all the anger and I was defending him for a bit because I know how the media can be but he just looks like a surly guy that's been unhappy this entire year and you know what you don't want to be there fine leave go somewhere else and you're going to deal with different pressure you want to go to New York he didn't talk to the media after the game Clay Thompson was up there Curry was up there that's not happening in New York you you do that in game four of the regular season you're going to get a lot of heat playoff game oh my goodness forget it so Durant better think about what he wants. Yes, he probably wants to get he wants to get the big money, obviously. But you better think if you're ready for New York and taking yeah, I, on that task of of turning that team around. Because if you do it and you win, you will be regarded as a king forever. But if you fail and you act like that, you're gonna get booed out this town quickly. It's like Yankee guys who play for the Yankees and Mets. Some guys can do it out of them and some guys can't. Some guys can handle the New York media, some guys can't. You have to know yourself. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not sure if Durant can do it. I don't think he can. All right, we'll talk a little golf, DFS golf, when we return right after this. Made Sailors is the leading cleaning service in New York City and Boston. We service homes, offices, corporate apartments, and Airbnb turnarounds. Give us a call or a text at 212-299-5170 to book now. That's 212-299-5170. Use the promo code FNTSY for 15% off your first cleaning. For more information, go to MadeSailors.com. That's MadeSailors.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800 Make it rain. I hate to break it to Red Sox fans, but your team really does suck. The defending champion Boston Red Sox, well, they suck. I don't want to hear about velocity because Chris Sale took them out against the B team. And when I say B team, I'm being very generous, calling whatever the hell lineup that was by the Yankees. The Red Sox are in trouble here big time. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back with Scout Fantasy Sports, Dr. Roto. And you guys know this is one of my favorite segments of the week because we talk PGA DFS, and we're doing it with my friend Zach Turcott today from FantasyGolfInsider.com, one of my favorite websites out there. Zach, good to talk to you, my friend. How's it going, Doc? Good to hear from you. I know. Well, hopefully your Masters was better than my Masters. I liked watching it for Tiger, but, man, Paul Casey, Hideki Matsuyama, these guys killed me last week, Zach. Yeah, it was a little bit painful. Uh, I had a lot of Rory at the top, 
And he surprisingly underperformed after he'd been so good for the rest of the season. Uh, Justin Rose missed the cut for me. Uh, so that definitely hurt. And then, yeah, of course, Paul Casey just couldn't get out of the gates at all and then completely gave up early. So a little discouraging, but at least Tiger rallied back and uh, won it for the week. So that was exciting to watch. He did, and of course, Tiger's winning got everybody back uh, their money at FanDuel when Tiger won. So I don't know if, the, if you got any money back there, but I know <laughs> I did, Zach. I was pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, that was a funny promotion. Um, I was kind of surprised that they ran it for the Masters when they knew they'd fill that contest anyways. But uh, great, especially for the big uh, multi-lineup players that are out there. All right, so let's get to the RBC Heritage in Harbortown in South Carolina. You can win the plaid jacket, not the green one. Uh, Dustin Johnson gets to play here because he's a member of the of RBC now. Uh, he is the best player here, top three on the tour. Does he fit here? Because I would think this is a little too narrow for him. Well, it fits. I mean, DJ is a great ball striker, but the problem is here is that he doesn't have the same advantages over the rest of the field that he'd have at other courses. You know, normally DJ's a guy who can really pound driver. Uh, really strong in terms of his long iron play. And so that fits on a lot of the longer courses that are out there and courses that demand par five scoring. But on a course like this, where everybody's going to be clubbing down off the tee and hitting iron or three wood, he's not going to have those same advantages. So for me, I just can't see paying up to 11,600 when there's so many other good players in this field in the 9,000 and 8,000 range, who I think have just as much as upside this week. All right. So before we get to talk about some of those players, Zach, let me ask you about the Masters hangover. Guys sure. like Molinari, Shoffley, uh, just guys who, who did very well last week, Webb Simpson. <laughs> Do we worry about them this week with the Masters hangover? You know, I think for some of them, I do a little bit more. You know, if you look at a guy like Francesco Molinari, we're not really used to paying 11300 for him. I mean, he goes up from 8600 last week to 11300 And he really did have a letdown. I mean, he had two double bogeys there over the last seven holes, or I think he ends up winning the event for the week. So for him, I think there's definitely uh, a bit of a letdown. You know, some of these other guys, they're pretty used to playing here year in and year out. You know, Webb Simpson's had a ton of experience here. Uh, five top 20 finishes over his last eight starts. And this is the style, of course, that really fits his play well. So he's used to showing up here every year and playing well. So I think with, with guys like that, or even a guy like Matt Kuchar, who just plays every week anyways, you don't worry about it quite as much. But for guys who had an actual collapse, like a Molinari or even like a Xander who was right up there for the lead, I think there is a little bit more of a worry. All right. Now, Jeff and I, when we talk about this, I, I always question the player, players who've never played a course before. Tommy sure. Fleetwood, Sunjay M. These are players who I, I adore playing. Justin Harding, right? Three, three to give you uh, three names here. Do you run away from guys who've never played a course before? Or do you say, look, Fleetwood and them are great ball strikers. They can figure it out wherever they go. Yeah, I think so. I think a guy like Tommy Fleetwood, you just uh, you just fire away this week. I mean, he was 9,200 last week in a far superior field, and he's still only 9,200 this week coming off of just an okay performance at Augusta. Um, you know, this week, 
you, you really want to be able to load up on precision ball strikers and guys who typically play well with the long irons, and that's Tommy Fleetwood. You know, you need guys who are precision in terms of being able to hit the greens because the greens here are the smallest that we're going to see on tour all season long. So I think a guy like Fleetwood with his tee to green game fits really well, and I think he'll want to have a bounce back week uh, this week. Sungjae is another player who seems to really be kind of coming into his own. Um, I would worry about certain types of players who come into a, a, a course where they haven't played that much before. But with Sungjae, every part of his game right now is really solid. He's not wild off the tee. He gets pretty decent length overall, and his putter is starting to recover. Last season, he was number one on the Web.com Tour in terms of his putting. Started a little slow with the PGA Tour, but has come around quite a bit so far with that putter. Um, a guy like Harding, I don't want to get too involved with. I'll own some shares of Harding. But being that this is still really the first year that he's played a lot on the U.S. side for the PGA Tour, I think he's still going to go under-owned. So if you want to own like 5 to 10%, you're still going to be ahead of the rest of the field, but not take too much risk if the course doesn't work out for him. All right. Now, Zach, I did some reading here, and they said these greens are very small, which we know. But if you get on them, they're not particularly difficult greens. Does yep. that favor anybody in this uh, in this field? Uh, I don't know. I mean, as far as putting is concerned, it tends to make the guys who don't putt quite as well a little bit better. But the guys that you're really going to want to be looking at are are players who are precise with their irons. So you're going to want to look at proximity a little bit more this week. Um, if you look at proximity specifically between 150 to 175 and 175 to 200 yards, those are both going to be metrics that you can work with in terms of finding guys who are particularly effective. Um, guys like uh, like a Jim Furyk tend to be really good, um, and uh, some of some of the other guys. Um, that you'd look at uh, even like a Byung Hoon An, who's been extremely good in, in terms of being both uh, accurate and very precise as far as hitting greens. So, so players who not just hit greens, but guys who can control it and get it close to the pin are the ones that you want to look to this week. All right, you mentioned Furyk and An. Let me give you some other players here. I'll give you three guys up top, DeChambeau, Kucher, and Cantlay. Do we like all three of them? DeChambeau, I am going to jump back on this week. Uh, you know, he started strong at the Masters last week, kind of fell out of contention, but he actually finished pretty strong. I, I like the fact that he had the hole-in-one on Sunday. I think that will give him some good vibes going into play here. He's been a little bit off since being real dominant early in the season, but he wasn't incredible coming into this event last season. He had a third-place finish. You know, he had a fourth-place finish here in, in 2016. Uh, very talented ball striker overall. So I do think that he'll get back on track. Kuchu is a guy who just plays consistently week in and week out. You know, he's another RBC guy. He plays here every year. He rarely misses a cut. And his numbers have been just tremendous this year. You know, fifth in terms of driving accuracy, which is something we want to focus on. And he's number one this season uh, on greens and regulation percentage. Uh, so, so definitely a, a player you can look for in both cash games and in GPPs. And you also mentioned Patrick Cantlay. He did have a little bit of a letdown. 
he did have the lead for about five minutes at Augusta on Sunday before falling back a bit. But I think he's just an elite talent overall. Uh, incredible tee to green guy, particularly with his long iron play. His two top ten finishes here. I think 9,700 is a little bit of a discount compared to his talent. So I'll be back on him as well. All right, we're talking to Zach Turcott from FantasyGolfInsider.com. If you want to know how to win in PGA DFS, check that site out. It's one of my favorites out there. Let's get a little cheaper here, Zach. I'll get into the low 9,000s, the Kisners, the Siwoo Kims, uh, do we like the Polters, the Fitzpatricks. Do we like anybody in that range? Uh, I do like Kevin Kisner this week. His game has really come around of late. Uh, obviously had the win at the match play event, coming off of a nice finish at, uh, at the Masters last week, where he finished 21st. You know, he's a South Carolina guy. Uh, he's had three of his last four finishes here, have been 11th or better, including a second-place finish back in 2015. But pretty solid in terms of his iron short game play. I think he's in play. Siwoo Kim, for whatever reason, has been a Pete Dye course specialist over the last couple of years. You know, if you remember back to 2017, he actually won the Players' Championship out at TPC Sawgrass, which is another Pete Dye course. He was runner-up here a year ago. He can be a little inconsistent, so you never really know when he's going to blow up or whether he's going to contend, so I'd stay away from him in cash games. But definitely want to own some exposure of him for GPP games just because he has so much upside when he does play well. Um, and, and then the other guy down here that I like in that upper AK range, I'll be going with Ian Poulter over Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, he's just been outstanding so far this season. He has yet to miss a cut on the year. Um, he's been incredibly consistent. He's at nine, seven or eight top 25 finishes on the season. A guy who's just really turned his career around since nearly losing his tour card uh, just a couple of years ago. Uh, so, so he'll be a guy that I go back to this week. He'll be one of my top cash game plays, and I will use him in tournament play as well. Zach, what about I, – I, I like Brandon Grace, and I always think that he shows up in big tournaments. But he, he won here about uh, in 2016, but he hasn't yep. played well this year. Is he a guy that we go back to and say, hey, he's got good course history, or do we look at current form and say pass? Yeah, that's a tricky part of the debate with – with him because um, he does have in addition to that win he has two other finishes of 11th or better here but yeah he's been bad outside of the waste management open where he finished second it's been a rough run and he did make a little bit of a run at the match play event which was encouraging um, but it has been a struggle now the one thing I do maybe like about Grace a little bit more this week is that the weather is expected to be really difficult so it's a coastal course, which makes it kind of comparable to what we see with the Open Championship a lot of times in July. And the winds are expected to be just crazy on Friday and even to a little bit of degree on Saturday as well. So if you want to look at guys who play well in those types of conditions, Grace would typically be that guy. So I think you could lean towards owning a few shares of him, knowing that, yes, the recent form has been kind of rough, but still having some with tough conditions and the fact that, of course, history has been a good spot for him. All right, you mentioned weather, guys. When I think of that, I think of, like, Australians or Europeans, Leishman, Cameron Smith, Russell Knox, Graham McDowell, uh, Aaron Badley. Has any one of those guys uh, captured your fans or you can, playing in, in clement weather? 
Yeah, I, I think you mentioned a couple of them there. Um, Russell Knox is a guy that I'll be going to. I think he's one of my favorite plays this week. Uh, between 2014 and 2017, he had four straight top 20 finishes here. And for a while, his pedigree game was a little bit off the last couple of years, but he's really improved this year in terms of his approach play. Always going to struggle a little bit as far as his putter is concerned, but I like this as a spot for him to rally back because this isn't a place where you have to make tons of birdies in order to win. You just have to avoid those big numbers, and that's what Russell Knox can do for us. So I like him. Another guy that I think we can take a look at is Brant Snedeker. Uh, he burned us a week ago at Augusta when he fell off and, and couldn't manage to make the cut. But if you remember what he's done over the years, he tends to stand out when the winds really pick up, in particular back in 2017 when he was playing at Torrey Pines and the winds were so bad they had to call out around Sunday. He actually made it into the clubhouse by shooting three under par that day when the entire rest of the field did not shoot under par and ended up winning at that event out there. So I think that favors him a lot there, and I like that price for him at 7500 All right, let's go. Let's drop a little bit. Let's go right around uh, 7100 and below, Zach. Are there any guys in that, I don't know, under 7000 range that you think are good plays this week? Under 7000 there aren't too many guys that I dropped to for the week. Um, one guy that really stood out to me, was Scott Piercy at 6700 I think that's at least 500 to $800 lower than probably where he should have been priced. He's got a, a really strong tee to green game. Um, obviously, when it comes to his putter, that's been a bit of a disaster over the years. But he's definitely a guy who should be able to make a cut for us here. And he has had some upside overall, uh, including his 16th place finish here a year ago. So I like him. And another guy that I think you can consider in dropping down to 6,400, it's the other Rory, Rory Sabatini. Um, he's had six top 25 finishes here over the last decade. He's made five straight cuts, and he's just a guy who tends to keep the ball in play generally pretty accurate off. He doesn't have a lot of distance, but that's not necessarily something you have to worry about for the heritage. Uh, so he's a guy who can make a cut for us and I think has a decent shot at a top 25 finish. All right, Zach, give me your pick to win this tournament. Oh, that's a good call. My pick to win for the week, uh, I think I would probably go with uh, Patrick Cantlay at uh, 9,700, just uh, off the top of my head on that one. All right, give me a guy who nobody's talking about today that we will be talking about on Sunday. <laughs> um, Abraham Answer, 7,600. He has no course history here overall. And his form has been okay, but I think this is a good spot for him to fit. He's been really good in terms of his ball striking ability. I think he'll probably only come in at around 7 to 10% owned. So if you're up at like 15 to 20%, you'll have some leverage over the field. And I definitely think he's got top 20 upside for the week. All right. Is there a guy up top that you're fading? Yeah, I won't be owning DJ this week. I'll take the risk there again. Uh, you never know what DJ, he's certainly capable of going off and winning at just about any event that he plays in. Uh, but just given the fact that he's not going to have the same advantage as he would on a, on a course where he'd be using driver more often, I think it's a, a reasonable fade to save the cap space and drop down in guys in the, uh, 9k and 8k range who I think have quite a bit of upside overall this week.
All right, last question for you, Zach. If there are people out there who want to gamble a little bit, is there, is there anybody like, uh, you know, 40, 50 to 1 that you could take an outside shot and maybe become my rich friend? <laughs> I don't know if you'll be rich off of, off of any of those numbers um, right there. But uh, I, I think you could probably look into that lower 8K range. Something like, something like a Mark Leishman wouldn't be a terrible bet there at 8,000. I don't have his odds right in front of me here. But uh, he should be one of those guys who's, who's not been talked about that much this week. But when he gets hot, he tends to play extremely well. So he's at a little bit of a discount this week and, and might be one of those guys where, where you can take a shot at 45 to 1, which is what his odds are at. And uh, when he plays well, he definitely has the ability to win anywhere. All right. Zach Turcott from Fantasy Golf Insider. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good luck this week, my friend. Thanks, Doc. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, that was fantasy golf right there. So remember, can't you can win a lot of money? Go to DraftKings, go to FanDuel, start playing. It's not that expensive. For five bucks, you can win a hundred thousand dollars, and it's a it's really a great sweat. It's got four days. Remember, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it should be a great tournament. All right, we're gonna take a little break. When we come back, we're getting back to the night slate in baseball. We'll find you the best plays, and we'll be back right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com proudly made in america maurice allen 2015 2016 european long drive tour champion 2017 world number one me personally i keep my game face on me all the time especially coming out of the bunker leaving the range or even leaving the course what's your story Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Fantasy. His home run to fly ball ratio is way up. His home runs per nine are way up. Everyone's talking about the juiced ball. And I will say this, at least regarding Noah Syndergaard, his FIP is 3.10. His XFIP is 3.03. So at least we can hang our hat on that regarding Syndergaard. Whereas with Nola, the ERA, the FIP, the XFIP, they're all very high. Uh, I think if you're just looking at these guys compared to each other right now, I would probably trust Syndergaard. Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back. We're Scout Fantasy Sports. I'm Dr. Roto along with Adam Ronas. Remember, check out DynastyKing.com. You want to be the Dynasty King of a fantasy football league? We've got a league for you. We've got different price points, even one up to like a $1,000 entry, which is exciting. You could be your own general manager of a fantasy football team. And Adam Ronas, the schedule is coming out tonight 
8 p.m. It's already trickling down the first Sunday night game of the season. The Patriots and Steelers. Mike Tomlin ready to go own one early in the season. Yeah, I know it's a big production tonight on television, but I've seen a ton of schedules already leak in the primetime game. So not going to be much of a shock, but it obviously it will become official tonight. All right, so remember, DynastyKing.com. Sign up now and become a Dynasty General Manager. All right, so let's take a look at tonight's slate, Adam. Boston and New York. Let's just talk about Boston for just a quick second. Chris Sale going up against the the Yankees B team. That was a good comment. He just looks terrible at this point. Uh, He wasn't. I thought it was an improvement because his velocity was up. Obviously, the results weren't there, but I think if you own him, uh, it was a little bit encouraging to see him hit 96, 97. Obviously, this is not the performance you wanted, but uh, it seems that he is healthy. I mean, I think that's the biggest key right now, and this will be a time where you can probably get sale cheaper than ever. So uh, I think it is something to consider. Interesting comment there. That makes sense. It does. All right, Eovaldi against J.A. Happ. This is a a 9.5. What are you doing here today? Yeah, I'm I'm not touching either pitcher. I mean, Eovaldi's been terrible so far. Uh, Happ hasn't been much better. So uh, I don't think either pitcher is someone you're looking at tonight. Now, FanDuel is putting these games on the main slate, by the way, everybody. The 635 start is so on wait, FanDuel. Wait, I don't understand. They never do it, and now all of a sudden, because the Yankees-Red Sox are doing it? All I can tell you is I, I literally went on FanDuel two seconds ago, and I saw all these pitchers. Here, let me – one moment, please. Please hold. So if I go to the, the rally, right, the, the tonight's rally, and I put in a new lineup, and here I see all those – all those games, Boston and New York, Pittsburgh and Detroit, Cleveland, Seattle, they're, they're out there. It's crazy, right? But they never do it, right? I know. I and don't know. <laughs> but I'm interested to see if it's not Yankees, Red Sox, like next week, are any of those 6.30, 6.40 p.m. games on the main slate? Because they usually never are. They usually never are, which is why we never cover them. Let me see here. I, I'm going to go to DraftKings super quickly. So uh, let's see here. Ooh, I hate an $11 entry, Adam. I want no part of that. Yeah, and this one, this one doesn't have it. Yeah, DraftKings didn't have it yesterday. It was seven oh five p.m. Eastern for their start of the slate, so yeah. they're not using those games. Which let's be consistent. I like being consistent, though. I don't like one side doing one. I mean, I guess FanDuel wants to attract more people. I, that makes sense, but I, I, I kind of think you should just be who you are. Be consistent. Yeah, and my guess is it's they think the Yankees Red Sox has the appeal. I guess that's it that, you know, that's such a big rivalry and people are interested in that. Otherwise, I'm not sure. Like if it was only Indians, Mariners and Pirates, Tigers, do you think they would include in the main slate? I would say no. No, for sure. If it was just uh, Indians, Mariners, for sure. No, maybe two games. If it was a smaller slate, it is kind of a small slate tonight. Uh, mm. Six It's seven games without it. Right. Which is with fine. those that make it 10. I'm fine with a seven game slate. I know it's different for everyone, though. So I want more. I'm, honestly, more teams, the better for me. Okay. Um, and obviously, on Wednesday, sometimes you get some day baseball because of getaway days and off days on Thursday. So there's actually a few teams off today, too, which is, I was like, Wednesday? It's so weird this year. We've had some Friday days off. we got some Wednesdays, Tuesdays. I mean, we're used to Monday and Thursday, but... Uh, it's, it's just crazy the way the schedule has kind of gone this year. Yeah, I don't usually play on Thursdays. I usually play Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday are my three nights for DFS for sure. And then the rest depends on the slate if I like it. Pittsburgh at Detroit, Trevor Williams and Spencer Turnbull. Is, Tre- is Trevor Williams sneaky? 
Probably because I don't think he's a, a big name, but he got he has a good matchup here against the Tigers where it's really just getting past Castellanos, Miggy, and Goodrum at this point. And everything else is just it's an easy lineup to get through. And Williams doesn't have a lot of strikeouts. That's the one thing. You know, usually in DFS when you're looking at pitchers, if you're looking for that guy, you want to get some strikeouts. He just doesn't get them. Even last year when he had a successful year, he only had an 18% strikeout rate. He's at 16.4% this year. So that's the one issue is that you're just not going to get a lot of strikeouts. He, he does not allow a lot of hard contact at all. Right. That is absolutely true. All right. So Cleveland against Seattle. Carlos Carrasco, arguably the best pitcher on the slate against Eric Swanson dinner. Uh, only Cleveland's only a minus 130, a, sli a slider favorite. I thought it'd be a heavier favorite, Adam. Well, it's because Carrasco is coming off a disastrous start. And, uh, you know, he's been very inconsistent this year. His fastball is getting hammered. And, of course, you got a Seattle team that obviously has been potent offensively. I know they've slowed down a little bit, but they homered yesterday for the 20th consecutive game. So uh, they have a lot of guys that can go yard. And uh, Carrasco's had. Uh, two of his three starts uh, have not been good. Now he was dominant against Toronto when he struck out 12 over five innings. So I think that's uh, the reason why. I mean, last time out, he only got two outs and allowed six hits and six runs. And he's allowed a homer in each of his three starts. All right, San Francisco against Washington. Jeff Samarja, the Shark, against Jeremy Hellickson. Two pitchers who I don't think are very good, who have very good ERAs. Yeah, you know, Hellickson, even last year, he was solid, but he's a guy that generally they pull after five innings. So you have to take that into account. And I believe it's only a second start of the year because they skipped their fifth starter. Uh, so Marja, I thought was worth taking a shot on in the 24th, 25th round, and I did in a couple leagues. I still don't feel great putting him out there every single week. I think I do have him on the bench in a few leagues. I mean, the Nationals are a tough lineup. I know they've been inconsistent so far, but uh, I don't know. I never feel comfortable with Samarja. I think this is a tough matchup for him, and he's not at home. You know, I'd like him much better if he's pitching at home. All right, Chicago at Miami. Cole Hamels against Sandy Alcantara. This seems to be a really good matchup for Cole Hamels. Do we use him tonight? Yeah. I mean, you know, the Marlins have shown that they're just not a good offense. You know, I... Originally, I had Quintana in yesterday. I decided to, you know, go with Strasburg and a cheaper pitcher. And Strasburg was cruising, and then he gives up three home runs. Uh, but Quintana, you knew he was going to put up a good performance against the Marlins, and he did. And Hamels uh, was someone I loved coming into the year because he's a, a veteran arm that's durable, that's on an improved team. And his numbers last year when he went to the Cubs really jumped. And he's off to a good start. He had that one bad start against Texas, and it was in Texas. And he's shown in the past that he can't pitch there, so... Uh, I'm pretty sure he's popular. I mean, it's it's easy right now. It's just, okay, you know, there's a lot of bad offenses, but I think one to clearly pick on at this point is the Marlins. It's in Miami, a real favorable park for pitchers. So, yeah, I think Hamels is an excellent play tonight, and he's coming off an outing against the weak offense in the Angels where he went eight innings, he's allowed one run, and struck out six. So I, I could see a similar type performance tonight. By the way, I'm just checking out uh, BVPs. I, I don't mean to go back here, but I will go back to the Washington game. Do you know what Matt Adams' BVP is against Jeff Samarja? Nine for 17 with three home runs, dude. Uh, we'll see then if he uh, gets into the lineup tonight. He is. He's batting fourth. Just okay. throwing it out there. All right, I'm with you on Hamels. I think he's a great start tonight. Would you stack Cubs tonight? Uh, probably not. 
I know Alcantara wasn't good his last start, but he's also shown signs of uh, being in control. And I don't know. I don't love this Cubs offense right now. Rizzo struggling. Brian struggling. Uh, I don't think I would stack Cubs. All right. So now let's get to Baltimore and Tampa Bay. Now, this is a really tough one because David has stinks, but he's pitched well. And Ryan Stanek is literally going to pitch one inning, and we don't know whether it's going to be Yarbrough or Chirinos, so it's very hard to know which Tampa Bay guy to pitch. What do you do in tonight's game? Do you stack Rays? Yeah, I think you can. Uh, you know, there's been a real good offense, and you got some lefties in there that you can go to. So, yeah, I think the Rays are, are certainly a, a stack you can consider. I'll give you a guy tonight, Ronis. G-Man Choi. Yeah, I used him yesterday. Yeah. Uh, that means you can't use him today? Yes, because he sucked. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. He's all right. He's okay. <laughs> he wasn't that special. Yeah, yeah. All right. Arizona against Atlanta. Zach, not so godly against Kevin Gascan. I got to admit this. I might be playing Gossman tonight, Ronas, because you know what? Let me just say this to you. Every night in DFS, it is a struggle to find a guy who will throw six innings. Really, if you look all these guys, Alcantara, Hess, Samarja, Helixson, Swanson, Turnbull, how many of these guys are going to throw six innings? I think Gascan could throw six or seven innings tonight. Well, I think he can. Their bullpen's been pretty bad. So I think when that happens, you know, if the pitcher is just somewhat decent, they'll give him a longer leash. You know, he's looked good in his first two starts of the season. I mean, the game against the Mets, he was pitching pretty well. They ran into some trouble. Obviously, he dominated the first time out against Miami. And Arizona has guys that can strike out. So considering the state of this slate tonight, uh, yeah, I think you, you can go to him. And I think some people might not. I think they might fear Arizona. They see an over-under of nine. But uh, I, I think he'll be good tonight. Would you stack uh, Braves against not-so-godly? Yeah, I think he could. Uh, he just, he's been terrible, man. Uh, wasn't a fan of him going to the year. So, yeah, I think he can. Freeman, Acuna, sure. A little Freeman, Acuna, Donaldson uh, matchup there? Or Albies. Because yeah. second okay. base is usually pretty tough. Second base is, is brutal. Yeah, it is brutal. All right, let's get to Toronto, Minnesota. There's an 86% chance of rain tonight, Adam. I'm calling it now. I'm going to say I'm avoiding this game. Yeah, I mean, I think you can um, obviously see what the forecast calls for uh, in a couple hours. But if you're setting a preliminary lineup now and that's the percentage, I think you have a good shot to just say, all right, let me cross this off. All right, Trent Thornton, though, do we like him? I mean, you know, we had a bad start, but he had a couple of good starts before that. Nah, not against Minnesota. I, I don't think he's that good. All right, Los Angeles Angels against Texas. Matt Harvey against Lance Lynn. Yes, people are actually paying to watch that game. Uh, I think I could stack the, the Rangers in this one big time. Yeah, and I think they'll be pretty popular, but the overrunner's 10 and a half, and Harvey's obviously been terrible, pushing him back a day, and uh, Texas... Uh, some hot bats. I used Gallo yesterday. I used Chu yesterday. You know, I Struble Cabrera homer. So there's just a lot of guys here in Texas that you can use. And I, and I got to think a lot of them are going to be highly owned. Uh, people love picking on Matt Harvey now, and you can understand why. And an ERA of 10 in Texas. Balls jumping, flying out there. So, yeah, Texas, uh, I think even if you don't stack them, have one or two in your lineup. All right, and then Houston against Oakland. Wade Miley pitched very well so far, but again, the lefty against Oakland. Oakland just really is good against lefties. Against Frankie Montas, 
I'm just throwing it out here. Could I go with an Oakland stack tonight, or is that just a little risky? No, I think you can. can. Uh, they got some big right-handed power bats. Uh, yeah, Miley has been pretty good so far, but his last start wasn't as good. And, uh, you know, the A's could easily rack up uh, some home runs here with Chris Davis, Matt Chapman, Chad Pinder, I would think would be in the lineup. So, I mean, so yeah, I think you can, you can go with an A's stack. Uh, I think a lot of people probably will continue to roll with Houston, obviously, they had a big performance last night. And, you know, Montas uh, has added this splitter, and, and uh, I just I wouldn't want to use him against Houston. I think I, I have him in a season league. I think it was last week he had a tough start. It might have been Houston, uh, and I sat him. And uh, the one thing with him is the strikeouts are, are just not there right now. I thought with the addition of the splitter, he would get more strikeouts, but we just haven't seen it yet. By the way, Kendris Morales, lifetime against Wade Miley. 10 for 24, hitting 417. Not a lot of power there, but I do like the average there. Yeah, I mean, if you like those numbers, uh, you know, uh, against pitchers, then that's something you could look at. I would think he, he'd be in the lineup. What is, all right, so I'm just throwing it out here. Marcus Simeon, 4 for 19. Chris Davis, 2 for 14. Matt Chapman, 1 for 6. You know, guys, Mark Hanna, 1 for 10. Guys who I love, but obviously, does that mean you wouldn't use them against Wade Miley? Or do you say, look... I don't worry about that. I know these guys hit lefties. I'm using them. Yeah, I mean, it also depends on when did they come, you know, what team was he on. I mean, Miley's been on several different teams, Brewers, Orioles, D-backs. So, like, when did they, those at-bats come? Uh, obviously, you would think he would be better going to Houston with all the analytics and everything. But, uh, nah, that wouldn't keep me away from uh, someone. You know, they could have had all those at-bats when they were in a cold streak. Like, you just don't know when they came. So, uh, Miley last start. Allowed six hits, three runs, only two strikeouts and four innings against Seattle. Now, he's already faced Oakland this year uh, and did throw five and two-thirds scoreless innings, four hits, two walks, four Ks. So a couple of those at-bats probably obviously came in that game. So, uh, But it is in Oakland, and yes, it, it can be a pitcher's park, spacious foul ground, but uh, I think them having seen Miley just two starts to go actually might help them. All right, so who, who are you stacking tonight? I think Rangers, A's, Braves for me. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers are an obvious stack. Uh, I think... Uh, Nationals think against it, Shark? Mm, I don't love it. I mean, you, okay. you, I guess you could. You could go Rendon, Soto, Adams and get the 2-3-4 if you want. I, I mean, like it. But, I like it. I mean, Kendrick... Has actually, it's only a couple games when he's been there. He's been pretty good. I got to think he's cheap. I haven't seen the price. It is righty and righty, but he's hitting fifth. So I guess that's a possibility as well. I like Kendrick. I like the Adams. I like stacks that are like sneaky. Kendrick, I think Kendrick Adams is sneaky. Yeah. Um, I don't Kendrick know. Kendrick Adams, I, Defoe. I got to think. Just give, give where you. are you on Fanduel with Adams? He's got to be like, what, 24? He's got to be cheap, I would think. Oh, he was so, 2000 the last time I used him. Yeah, Let's so see. I think that that could be a popular play. I mean, there always is pretty good options. No, oh, no, first base is bad this year. So I wonder if a lot of people gravitate to that. Because when you look at the first base landscape, I mean, you do got Steve Pierce. Matt Adams, 2200. 20, okay, you got Steve Pierce against the lefty at Yankee Stadium hitting cleanup. That's not a bad yeah. play at first base no, either. That's a, that's a good play, right? The pro, see, you could do that on FanDuel because I could play Adams and Pierce, which I might want to do, right? Because, right? but uh, I can't do that on DK. I'm trying to think if there's any other first baseman. Uh, I guess Josh Bell. I didn't clean up, but yeah, I think Adams could be a popular play there tonight.
I know. That's a, people, do you think people like the BVP or they don't? Do they trust it or not? It feels like it's half and half. I think there's some people who really go by it and have it as one of their top three, and I think others don't look at it or don't or put it maybe like tenth in their things that they look at. Right. I don't know. I, t- I tend to maybe I use it more than I should, Adam. I admit that. I don't have a sucker it, when it comes to that. Are there times where it doesn't work at all, and you're like, "Damn, why'd I do it?" No, it works more often than not. You know when I use it as a one-off. If I have two stacks I like and then I'm looking for a guy or two, I'll look for a guy who has a good... Like Avisel Garcia the other night, I just used and he had a home run. So I'll do it that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I won't stack the team because of the one guy. But if I, if I need a one-off, I'll one-off Matt Adams tonight. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Nets do have some good bats there. Even Eaton, I think you could use. He's actually been pretty good. I know he doesn't have like the power upside, but if you feel that they're going to get to Samarja... You know, Eaton's been pretty good lately. All right. Well, I just put him in my lineup. Thanks to Adam Ronas. If I win big, I I'll, didn't uh, say you have to use it. <laughs> All right. Who's coming up on hour number two, Ronas? Got uh, Jim Day, a.k.a. Fantasy Taz. He's going to join me at 3.20 p.m. Eastern, a new edition of the Scout Fantasy family. Yeah, we love having Taz, part of ffchamps.com. Check that out there. All right, guys, this is Dr. Roto saying be well and take care. Back with you tomorrow. Stay tuned for hour number two with Adam Ronas coming up right after this.